Howdy. My name is Sam. And I'm Shelby. And this is the Ripple Effect ABA. All right, and here you are on our social segment. So essentially, this is going to be our first social segment, and we are talking about topics that should be talked about. And then maybe aren't, or they are, and we're just trying to get some more information out there and get some feedback. So feel free to um, comment, ask questions, reach out. Let this be a place where we collaborate. So <laughs> we just finished Tipsy Tuesday, so <laughs> burping a lot. <laughs> um, today, the topic is going to be about the current tone of ADA. And I say tone because there's a new feeling that kind of comes out when people say that word, whether it's good or bad. I mean, it means different variations to different people. Some people in the field, I hear ABA and man, it lights my heart up. I'm so yeah. happy that somebody's been exposed to it and that no matter whether they're working you know, with me or at another company, I'm just happy that they're part of it um, because it changed my life completely. But more and more, I come into parents who are new mm-hmm. to the field or RBTs who are new and they go in, they type ABA into Google and they come back and they're like, hey, is this what you do? <laughs> do you know you're a torturer? You're a monster, you know? Yeah. And um, they say all of these different things. And I think that the tone has changed because um, I think it's bleeding into the, you know, the, the field. I think that um, we're starting to feel it as therapists um and we have to go home at night and go to sleep and hear all of the thoughts and the things that people say about what we do and sometimes either we believe them or we don't or it makes us absolutely angry but nobody really talks about it so i don't know yeah and i think that the thing is is that the anti-aba rhetoric that is happening right now and is very current is also pretty i mean it's justified in a lot of ways aba did not come from a happy and bright place ABA did come from a very dark place in our early history. And I mean, some people are still engaging in those tactics today. Um, And it can cause trauma when implemented incorrectly. So I think the important thing from understanding like the anti-ABA rhetoric is also listening to those voices so that we don't ever engage in that as a field again, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a practitioner who is moving towards the do better movement and um, Hanley's direction and making sure that you're making adequate changes to not be a provider that is causing trauma to families and individuals, it can be hard to hear all of these things. You're like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, that's not what I'm doing. I just want them to know that's not what I'm doing. All we can do, I feel like, as a field is just continue to improve and to change individuals' lives and the families' lives and for them to just speak that rhetoric out there. And so I just don't want anybody to get discouraged because it can be a lot to hear whenever you've dedicated your life to an entire field that you feel like is like on fire online. Mm -hmm. Um, But just knowing that those voices also need to be heard so that we don't go down that path ever again, but also just keep doing what you're doing and always continue to try to improve and have a growth mindset and make sure that you're um, practicing trauma-free ABA. And I think that's a topic that people need to actually like research and dive into is what is trauma-free ABA? You know, why has it been created? The thing is for there to be trauma-free ABA and you know, it shows that apparently there hasn't been trauma previously for us to have this movement in place. 
which means that a lot of things did occur. I think a lot of people, when they hear the situations or they do that, they're like, hey, I'm not a part of it. Why am I being attacked for it? Um, I think this is a type of field where we carry the badge of honor, whether it's good or bad. And um, we just try to change it. I think it's important for me when people ask, how do you feel about what people are saying? How do you take this approach? First off, a little history about me. Um, my mom specialized working with um, adults with autism when I was in her belly. That's when she started this. Um, I was exposed to adults with autism my whole entire life. My mom is extremely passionate about people with disabilities and had always taught me how you know to communicate and be caring. Um, and that there's multiple jobs that she left because she was not comfortable with the treatment that was being put in place. But there weren't laws and regulations put in place. Um, also, it's important to know, you know, the BACB was founded in 1999. Guys, that was 22 years ago. This field is a baby, but the fact is it works. And so everyone's looking at it because they're saying, wow, this is something that is taking off. But unfortunately, prior to it being effective, there were people who did not have the hearts of the people who have the hearts that they do today. And there were bad things that are done. And the first thing I tell people is, I always agree. You know, the first thing you do with someone who has trauma, you recognize their trauma. And I say, yeah, I agree. When I was studying in school, I legit had to close my book because I thought I was going to throw up. I was reading things, I was watching videos that made me sick to my stomach. And I was like, that's disgusting. How could, I, I wouldn't want that done to me. I wouldn't do that to my brother, my sister. I wouldn't do it to a normal person. It's just not cool. I don't want to be a part of that. But I knew I was physically doing the work as an RBT. And man, was I changing lives. But I knew I wasn't doing the inappropriate treatments. And what I do was I wanted to advocate for not doing that and listening to people. So I always recognize people's trauma and I say, you know, that's true. And I can only do what I physically can do and be that meaningful change and spread that word about not abusing people um, in mental, physical, emotional ways um, and just try to educate people and say, hey, there is a group of us that do understand and know what is going on and we are pushing for the best. Um, and then I always remind myself when I do read these things, it does make me feel down. Yeah. Um, sometimes it does make me afraid to tell people what my job is, depending on what yeah. setting I'm in. Yeah. Because then they're like, oh, wow, you're a disgusting person. And I'm like, I am anything but that. I strive my whole life, even outside of my job, to be a nice person. So for the fact that somebody would look at me that way kind of hurts. And I just remember, you know, what I do do in my everyday life. And how many kids I make smile and how many yeah. kids I've discharged and how many families that say, hey, you know, I'm so happy and elated and their kids didn't experience any trauma during treatment. And I did my best to kind of And I, I think you have to think, too, about the psychological field, the medical field. Um, they all have much earlier beginnings. And when you think about the experiments and the social experiments that have been engaged in, like the Tuskegee experiments with penicillin, with Stanford Prison experiment, um, it all has a really nasty kind of beginning. And so it's our jobs as practitioners now to make sure that we continue to move in a positive way. Um, 
and acknowledge what happened prior and previously so it doesn't happen again, but continue to strive to move forward. Um, and what I would say to, to any RBT or BCBA, if you, because a lot of older BCBAs, um, like I just remember my time as an RBT, it was, um, you know, the do better movement wasn't a thing yet. And the uh, Facebook groups weren't really a thing yet when I was an RBT. So I didn't have as much of a support system around to know, you know, I was just listening to my BCBA and what they said. And so now I always tell RBTs and BCBAs, like, if you feel that gut feeling in your stomach that you just don't like what's happening or it just feels a little wrong to prompt a child in a certain way or to handle a meltdown a certain way, talk to your leadership about that and see if there's an alternative way to provide that intervention or that programming um, that's different than what you're currently doing because there's a thousand different ways to make behavior change. And if you're getting that gut feeling that you're doing something wrong or that you are causing this child some trauma, take a step back and talk to your leadership team. I think that is, you know, great. I think one thing I want to point out too, because I hear this a lot and I hear this in, you know, BCBA and RBT language. It's like, wow, there's a lot of, um, twice exceptional adults or adults, um, who have autism that are now speaking out and, you know, since it is a person who does have a diagnosis and is speaking out about that treatment, it's like, you know, we kind of feel jaded in some way. And I always think about it this way. It's like, hey, if this is a 23-year-old adult talking about the ABA treatment that they received, and this is a 22-year-old filled, they received that early beginning yeah. ABA treatment. So what they did go through was terrible. And thank God that they are alive. Thank God that, you know, I'm sorry if people aren't religious, um, <laughs> you know, that they do have, you know, the strength to talk about what they went through because that is what we need. We need yeah. people who have been receiving the treatment to let us know what they've been through and what we can do to be better. And so thank you for speaking out because I want to make sure that what they went through is not something that somebody else goes through because of my hands. Um, and I think that's something that we should more talk about and congratulate people for. Anytime somebody has the confidence to come out about their trauma, we should sit, we should listen, we yeah. should acknowledge it, and we should do better. Um, Love that. I'm just like, sorry, I'm like, it's an intense topic for me, but I like, you know, I see both sides and um, I just, as a person who I am morally, I just want to do what is best. Um, and as a BCBA, you should really be staying up on the current research. Mm -hmm. You should be on the Facebook pages. You should have those communities of BCBAs and mentorship that you are looking for, for collaboration. Because if you're staying stagnant and you're doing the exact same things that you were the first year as a BCBA, or if you're doing the exact same things now that you were two years ago, we need to revamp it. We should never be staying stagnant in this field, especially when our kiddos' lives are... Um, what's being impacted here and um so i would just say as a bcba it is your responsibility to a hundred percent stay up to date i mean it's in our ethics code as well but just like morally stay up to date be aware of the research and kind of infiltrate some other groups that you can collaborate in heck yeah what she said um even people who aren't listening to this that are you know just regular degulous schmegulous um just go out and inform yourself. At the end of the day, inform, inform, inform yourself because 
The field is constantly changing. We're constantly trying to do better. Inform yourself and reflect. Anytime you're not proud of what you're doing, you need to change. And so that's this heavy topic. Make sure that we're talking about it. Make sure we're bringing awareness. Make sure we're changing and we're being a part of the good and not the bad. Make sure we're acknowledging and recognizing and that will fuel the positive future of applied behavioral analysis itself. It's a good statement, man. That's a good statement. <laughs> and there you go. That is our first social topic for the, um, yep, the ripple effect. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I keep forgetting the name, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>